Live from Cool Boys Central. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. You'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just a young boy. So cool. So cool. So cool. I see cool boys. Hey, so uh, this is a very timely episode oh, man. of the Cool Boys. It's only three weeks late, I believe, from the opening weekend of maybe four. Yeah. Yeah, I well, I, I kind of look at more like uh, you know we had to fill an August uh, movie, and this is the best one to do, I guess, for August this year. It wasn't necessarily the best year for blockbusters, summer blockbusters, and I think uh, we just even had the worst like blockbuster weekend on record uh, this past weekend. So no time like the present to discuss. Well- Dunkirk, I guess. Yes, Dunkirk. And it's actually kind of fitting to be three weeks late for Christopher Nolan film because he is a director who likes, uh, you know, in in unusual timelines and incongruous <laughs> timelines separating things and yeah. dilated timelines where, you know, one planet is there 15 minutes, but it's five years or maybe different. Are you describing Insomnia with Al Pacino? No, I'm describing Interstellar with a much oh. greater actor. Well, I think, yeah, I think Insomnia probably plays with time the best out of any of one of uh, Christopher Nolan's films. Um, Does that one I play think... with time? I thought that was like the one linear one. <laughs> yeah, that's not, I think that's the only one that's, that's... like the straight through movie. Uh, following plays with time. Um, well, the, the latter two Batmans are, are linear, more or less, right? Yeah, except he has those moments where he screws with time a little bit. In the end montages, photos. yeah. Yeah, the end montages. And then usually like another kind of like montage somewhere around like the second, third act. Yeah, the first one's the only one that really does it. First one is I I just love Batman Begins, uh, but Dark, the Dark Knight is just so great. But this is this is not either one of those movies. Spoiler cast. Well, we're going to be discussing his craft all, all all together. No, this episode is. Let's see if I have rings written for me here. Sorry. No, this is just regular. Isn't it written? No, so this, yeah, just regular. <laughs> so, what are you drinking? Um. Well, uh, I'm I am drinking tonight a Tahava or Tajava unsweetened tea and it's original black tea and let's just open that up and look give, give it a listen give it a little i always sweeten it i can't stand it unsweetened it tastes so bitter mm-hmm. i am drinking i like it i like bitter tea i came in like a fireball what fuck your fireball in it cinnamon, cinnamon whiskey fireball wow that's With a nice uh, ball that's very fitting for tonight's episode. Let's see if this picks up on the mic. I'm drinking tea for the really. Brits, and you're drinking Fireball for all the carnage on Dunkirk beaches. A lot of people die in the movie. A lot of people die every day, Felk. Greetings, Cool Boy Nation, and welcome to another installment of the Cool Boys podcast. I'm Felk. And I'm Ballard. And tonight's episode is a special spoiler cast for the movie Dunkirk. So spoilers from here on out for Dunkirk. But spoilers, the British people kind of won in the end. Although that's not really covered in the movie. Is it? You, you could actually leave the movie going, oh man, I hope they win. What happens to them? <laughs> it's time for Spoilers. So juicy. What did you think about Death Note? I mean, Dunkirk. Well, 
I loved it. Well, I I think it's a masterpiece. Now, I have to preface this with I saw the IMAX experience. So what? 70% movie, 30% experience? Oh, man. Like... Flipped? Yeah, I would say maybe 30% experience because for me, the real experience moment when all of a sudden when I was in the movie, like I was in the movie, like living the movie was all of the aerial battle stuff. And for me, the aerial battle stuff is like, I think based on our new rating system, uh, we may have just started with the um, uh, the past uh, episode, uh, Saving Private Cool Boys. Um, I would say the aerial sequences are six out of five boys. Oh. Um, the rest of the movie is uh, five out of five boys. 11. Oh, it goes up to 11? Oh, I didn't realize it went up to 11. Okay, no, well, then I said. To the, a movie. Oh, Spinal Tap? This is Spinal Tap. But it can go. But if it can go up to six, it certainly can. Uh, there's now no limit, so caps. I believe you well, gave. Uh, I believe you gave Schindler's List 100 uh, out of five cool boys. We definitely didn't discuss any of that though in the episode, did we? No, but perhaps. <laughs> well, I guess not. It won't be on After Dark. Yeah, no, it won't be. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I would say for me, I think I, I I think the movie as a whole was was five out of five boys and. Uh, one of the things I read an interview about Christopher Nolan uh, was he was talking about when he started really breaking down his research of the uh, siege of Dunkirk. He uh, almost wanted to do a movie where he just lit an actual siege take place in real time and no plot, no narrative. And you just viewed it as an audience member. Uh, so you just watched a war sequence for about whatever it would be, an hour and 40 minutes to two hours, whatever yeah. the end product would have been. And he uh, went to his wife, Emma, and was like, yo, Emma, should I do this? Cause I, I like think that I you have that this. little kinship with him now that I think about it. What? I like that you have that little kinship with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, my wife is named Emma. Yeah. And he goes up to Emma and he's like, should I do this? And she's just like, no, you idiot. Like, you can't do that. that. That's not a movie. And he goes, okay, you're right. And then so he threw a couple of little, you know, real small, really loose narratives together, really, and made this really fucking amazing five-star masterpiece. Five boys. Five boys. Star boys. So, Felk, what do you think about it, though? I liked it. I mean, samesies, though. Uh, I saw it in IMAX. I didn't see it in, I guess, real IMAX because I saw it at, at a theater that's not one of the few in, in L.A. that do proper 70 millimeter uh, like projections. I think it was just a digital projection still built as IMAX, but that was a big part of it. And I just to be clear, I saw the legit full 70 millimeter IMAX experience, the top to bottom. It's all filled up there. Boom, baby. But yeah. What you, so what are your boys? I, I'm going to say four out of five. And that's a lot of it is because I know that I now will not ever be able to replicate the IMAX experience again. It'll, if oh, I run out. So it's like, it's a somber, saddened four out of five boys. It, it is. And I would give, I think I would also give four to five, maybe three out of five to Gravity, which is the only other movie in recent memory I can think of that I, I it's the same thing. Because I did not see Gravity in IMAX. I didn't even see it in theaters. I watched it on a 3D 60 inch TV. And I knew upon seeing it, I fucking missed out because that. That was an experience that was designed for the IMAX 3D experience. All but you I got saw to see Gravity 2, right? Gravity 2 Life? Life is not Gravity 2. 
It's it's gravity too. Have it's you like, seen it's, life? It's bigger. It's bet. Yeah, I've seen life. It's <gasps> bigger. It's better. It's got way more explosions, and it's got the, it's the dark second act in the trilogy. We just I, haven't seen the third movie yet. I, I can't would. wait to see the next single, uh, na- uh, single titled orbit film. Uh, like whatever that is, will be the third film in that trilogy of gravity, life. And space, uh, space, whatever the next one is, it's probably just space or cold. Like, just, just look at that. Look at that. The first one and in, in the first movie, Gravity, they make it a, a, fine. But this in the second movie, Gravity Two: Life. Oh, buddy! Spoilers for Life. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about Life now. I mean, because because uh, uh, I, I actually think Life's a better movie than Gravity. Um, life is a far better movie than Gravity. You liked life. Loved life. Oh, really? Okay. Because Nolan didn't think it was that good, according to his text. I love life. No, um, I thought it was a anyways, better alien Anyways, but movie back than to Dunkirk. I, 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 Dunkirk uh, really impressed me. And I don't get impressed very much going to see films or watching films at home. or I, I, it's, it's, Movies just seem more, more these days by the numbers. And maybe we have something to do with blaming Marvel and Star Wars for that. And really, you can kind of... You know, track it back to even like, you know, that just this whole retconning of the 80s. But um, I, I, I really was impressed by Dunkirk and it was a breath of fresh air. While it also left you breathless. Holy fucking shit was that movie suspenseful See, and tense. I don't, that's, a, that's the thing is that when it's viewed on a 60-inch TV screen, I don't know if it's going to have anywhere near the impact. It's there. not the screen. This movie is not going to be about how large your TV screen is. This movie is going to be about how nice your sound system is. That's a big factor, certainly. Um, that is a big factor too. Uh, but uh, I mean, I have a good. Because so, so in the I, IMAX, this movie roared. Yeah, no, it did. It was loud. It was loud in the theater. I saw it with too. And with IMAX, you're getting twelve channel. It's around twelve point. I think two because there's two different base channels. Uh, whereas at home, I'm going to be having a five point one. But you know, the the sound is something I never feel like I'm missing out on. It's it's always the the idea of having a screen encompass your your entire vision and uh i was reminded of one of my favorite visual experiences during the all the aerial stuff which is soaring over california at uh at disneyland have you ever experienced that yeah disneyland adventure or whatever yeah, right yeah that's the old i i did like two rides there we had like no time to do it and that was the what the only ride we did other than the swings i think it's fucking it's it, you know, it's it's not 3D. It's 2D. It's a dome IMAX esque screen. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, aerial stuff and you're hoisted above. Obviously, I was just in a regular movie theater seat when I saw Dunkirk. But it, that was the closest I felt like that too in, in a movie theater. where I was like, I'm up here. It's scary. I'm flying. Uh, what's going to happen to me as Tom Hardy? Um, so that the, the the visual of it was was huge, and I, I I feel like that's a lot of the movie. That's twenty, I mean not twenty minutes, fifteen minutes of of just aerial stuff that I think on a TV screen or a smaller movie theater screen will be good, but on an IMAX screen it was great, and that's why I feel like if I rate the experience of IMAX five out of five, if I'm actually just rating the movie, I feel four is, is safer. Oh uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, very true. Um, and then the other thing I guess we could get into more about this movie is just kind of actually how he he presented the film. He presented this film as three separate timelines, mm-hmm. and um, and one was called one the mole, and it was one week, mm-hmm. and then should have been two called the was beach. Called 
two C one and it was one day. Mm-hmm. And three was called <clears throat> three air Tom Hardy one hour. And you get this impression then at this point that we're going to collide. Right. I mean, did you get that impression at that point? Uh, I kind of figured, yes, like one character would be past an experience and, and you, you experience like one guy in the, in the past, like basically at the beginning of his story. For me, it was really when we got to the air and then we or, and were introduced to both pilots and there's a third pilot, but we never really even like meet them. And you're introduced to these both pilots. And I'm, I just, all of a sudden I just thought to myself, oh, this is just going to all come to some kind of conclusion. And and it um, it does. I mean, we're in a spoiler cast. So, yeah, it does. It does come to a conclusion. Yeah, it all ends at the more or less the same time. Yeah, and that that was well, sort of a, was like what the, a great feat. But he ties it in with just the uh, the music the whole way through. I mean, that was just the main thing. Yeah, yeah, you know about that, right? Like the whole like where it's a parabellum, so it sounds like it's just uh, constantly yeah. R- rising. And Falk, you might as well describe that and explain that to uh, Cool Boy Nation. Actually, I believe it's called the Shepherd Tone, and uh, basically, it's uh, the idea is that the music sounds like it's constantly crescendoing up to the highest pitch it can be, where it'll peak to just be inaudible but it never does it, it, it's a optical quote-unquote optical illusion so it's an auditory illusion uh so it, it sounds like it's constantly being stretched like if you, you're hearing what sounds somewhat familiar to uh the joker's theme because like the joker's theme was basically one string uh going very very slowly across a note or, or what's the across one string and then switching to the next string and going very slowly. So it's what's hitting both and then coming back. So it just never ends. It constantly sounds like it's just constantly building tension. And the whole movie was, the score was like that. Hans Zimmer did the same thing again, but then the structure of it was was the same thing where it just constantly sounds like it feels like it's, it's building to this is the most tense and something's going to happen, but then it just never, that just never happens until I guess really the end of the movie. Yeah. I I mean, because I do feel like it does, it does eventually build to it. But it's not. It does give you that uh, that incredible sense of edge of seat tension, of like what's going to happen. You know, where where where, where like, where's this going right now? Like, is this is this coming to a conclusion? So yeah. So let's go. I want to mm. go over real quickly. Um, the bad guys of this movie, the, the Nazis. Nazis. That's right. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So. You know, you never see the Nazis other than you see their their little helmeted heads little out of in the distance in the very anyway. beginning, and you see them mm-hmm. at the very very end when they uh, take uh, Tom Hardy as a prisoner of war. Other than that, they're the Nazis are represented by bullets and they are represented by uh, aircraft. Yeah, the Nazis are represented off screen by bullets hitting things, and and on screen by bullets hitting things, and you know explosions and planes dropping bombs. You never really see a face. Which other, is accurate. Yeah, uh, other other than at the very end and the very beginning. Even then, you see. I mean, you see him in. Wait, when, when do you see him in the beginning? In the beginning, when uh, they first start the attack on Dunkirk, uh, what you see is you see the guys uh, turn around and run directly into the gunfire, and you see all of a sudden you see these little Nazi heads pop up, and they start shooting at them. Those thought. are French soldiers. He was running past um, French soldiers. I th- I'm, I I went back and he rewatched says, I'm an the Amer- opening. He says, "I'm British. I'm British." Right. Yeah, no, that's that's different. I, I think there's another moment where they tur- like he turns a corner and before that, and he sees Nazis. Okay, I don't remember that, but it, the, all, the the opening was very fast, so it was, it was. I, I I I might be I might be mistaken, and then it's just the very end. But whatever, regardless, if it is just the very end, that's that's even better. But um, uh, I do I do really like how how he did like he 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 
the Nazis have been portrayed on film so many times that like what I mean he can't make it anything different other than exactly what it, what we've seen a million times over. So I thought that was a great way to do it. Like let's just not see them really. Well, and were there really opportunities to see them in this specific story? Like. I mean, it did, he definitely went out of his way. Yeah. Maybe the boat uh, on the beach sequence, the Danish uh, Navy. No. I think that was the only time where you could have actually shown them and it would have. I think that was the only time it really showcased that he was avoiding showing them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, um, I, I I guess we can go over. Well, I have a question uh, for you real fast. Before, before, oh, before sure. Go ahead. While, while we're still on the, the timeline, did you know going in? That they were th- so the, the, for those not following and maybe who've seen the movie or didn't see the movie and don't quite get what we're talking about. There's basically th- three plot lines the movie follows, and one takes a place over a week, one takes place over an hour, and one takes place over a, a day. We said that already. Yeah, um, but but you're cutting back and forth between them. So oh right, yeah. Each cut, you don't know how long it's been. For this character, the, the the hour one, it's a little bit less confusing because obviously it's all within one hour. But with when it cuts back to the mole, the beach, the, the the one week thing, you don't know if it's been if that cut signifies five minutes, a whole day, you know. So it's it's disorienting the entire their entire time. And the you have only some ideas at times with the mole, but there are times that yeah, you I that think is it, confusing. I think it adds to the tension, the confusion, just like Memento. Like he 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 uses like the idea that you don't know exactly how long it's been, what what's going on. Um, but but the only indication of this outside of the actual like movie and structure is the like one title that just says, like you said, the mole one, one week and, and, and so on for each one. This is one hour. That's all it is. It's just like one quick little title card for each one. And, uh, so I, I've, I, I know people who have seen the entire movie and did not realize that and did not realize that, that it was different timelines for each one. Um, I saw it with a friend who, who apparently did not realize that. And that baffled me because I was like, Tom Hardy was flying up there for a whole week. Uh, he was crashing for a day. Uh, right. So, like, that didn't make sense to me. Did, did, did you, A, know that going in? And B, if, well, A, did you know that going in? I guess that affects B. Well, that's actually pretty funny, Felk. Okay, so I, I mentioned in uh, our last episode, uh, Saving Private Cool Boys, I saw Dunkirk recently, and I said it took me some time to get down there. Um, unfortunately, because it took me some time to get down there, because uh, the distance I live from the uh, an actual IMAX theater, um, I missed the first like six minutes of the movie, and so I <laughs> sat around and and I when I sat down in my seat, I looked up at the screen and saw it say pretty much at that moment one the mole yeah one week, and I was like, uh, what did I just read? And then I was like, but I remember seeing like mole and maybe one one something like a, maybe something else. I couldn't remember the subtitle, and then I saw you know maybe what five minutes later two. Seven minutes later, you see two C one day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. That means I, well, I missed something like. And so I spent the whole movie make, kind of trying to like, like I was saying to myself, I must have been the mole one week. It must have been the mole one week. And I was counting the days in the mole, uh, 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 the mole section of the film. And I got to about three or four uh, actual days that I was able to count that actually you see. Um, and that's great kind of like how you brought that up because it is true. Yeah. Like you don't see a full week happen. No. Um, anyways. And then, so I spent the whole movie, like not sure though, if I saw what I thought I saw and, and also like, well then how much of the movie did I miss? Well, you just referenced uh, the it, opening. So you, you watch the opening later. 
Exactly. So what I did is I am in San Francisco. I drove hours to get to come here to see this movie. So I am going to sit around. So I just sat around the theater. I went and saw um, a little bit of the glass house, the Brie Larson movie. And then I went and hopped back in the IMAX and watched the first like 10 minutes of the movie again mm-hmm. and saw it say Dunkirk. And it did its opening text about the Nazis taking over uh, uh, or uh, um, the Blitzkrieg and, you know, and or push through France on the Brits and the French. And, um, and I was like, Oh shit. Like, you know, there's, there's title cards. And then, cause I, I assumed it probably just said Dunkirk and it jumped into the movie. And then you see these guys just walking around the street. I'm like, Oh fuck. They're like, I missed this whole sequence. So I started like trying to gather as much information as I could at that point. Yeah. That's why I was like trying to, I'm trying to remember. I, I'm pretty sure you, I thought you saw Nazis at that point, but, um, and then, yeah, I, and then I confirmed later, it said one, the mole, one yeah. week and I was like okay so it was one week so yeah. that that is I, I I did have to kind of double check it and I did like wait around for the next IMAX screening because it was like an hour or and I was able to see you know the first 10 minutes it was worth it because I mean that movie is really great I I would love to go see that movie again in IMAX I, I hope they do a re-release yeah well I'll, I'll watch it again uh just at home and see how it how it holds up uh, I just hope it it gets some Oscar play um, at least in cinematography, yeah. and I hope that's the reason they re-release it. If not Best Picture, Best Director, but um, it won't win Best Picture. It won't win Best Director. I, don't, I, you, I honestly think it won't get. I won't get anything. It won't win anything. No, get but it might win Best Cinematography, and I think for that reason alone, they should do at least like a one weekend re-release. And if they did, I would definitely go out of my way to see it again. Yeah, cinematography is going to be go to go to something same as Best Picture. There's no there's no way a movie that's just about cis white males <laughs> is going to win a, a Best Picture, and and cinematography will go will sweep it. Um, no, I agree. I don't disagree, but I think it, I think I think that Warner Brothers, regardless, will make a push for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Music, Best Original Score. Um, anyways, but moving on, let's talk about the different. Uh, you think Warner Brothers will push Dunkirk for that? Not. Justice League. Uh, I, I think they may try to push Justice League's visual effects, like they nah. did with Suicide Squad. Nah, they push um, Wonder Woman for all that shit. Wonder Woman, they're pushing for Best Picture. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, it's not gonna win Best Picture, but it's fine. Go ahead and try. Um, so, anyways, let's go over the uh, individual timelines. So, one, the mole, oh, one week. Uh, this is the one that stars Harry Styles. Yeah, I didn't know who that was. You and know, he doesn't do a bad job. Which guy was he? Uh, he's the main guy from the mole. He's like the main British kid you follow the entire time. Wait, he's the main kid you follow the whole time? Yeah, that's Harry Styles. I always. OK, so I don't I know of the name. He's I know that he's right. I know that. But I don't I don't I don't actually know what he looks like. I feel like he was. I OK, so I was I was playing the guessing game of who's Harry Styles while watching this movie. And I guess it was, <laughs> that's a fun and, game. It was, and I and I I guess it was the um, British soldier that he comes across in the water, and that he then he hangs out with, and that ends up getting really pissed at the French kid. Nope, he's he's the he's the guy who who finds the 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 French kid at, on the beach, and he's the one who's like we fall the entire time. No, he's not. I'm looking at him right here on the internet. I finally looked him up on Google. He's the British kid that they pull out of the water. Who figures out that the French kid is the mole? I'm looking at him right now on the old Google. That's the main guy. I was right. No, that's not the main guy. The main guy, it was a different guy. Oh, Fian Whitehead? 
I'm not I'm even sure this is entertaining at this point. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who the main the main kid was in uh, in this movie here. Oh, it's Fionn Whitehead, isn't it? What's the who the hell's Fionn Whitehead? The main guy. I thought I thought that was Harry Styles. Look at that. See, you didn't even know. Who, OK, so I didn't even know who Harry Styles was. I, I used some deductive reasoning and figured it out. And then you went in the whole movie thinking you were staring at Harry Styles the whole time, giving Fionn Whitehead no credit. Pretty Fionn Whitehead guys. gets no credit from Felk. Harry Styles gets all the credit for for selling the movie. By I the guess. way, Tom Hardy acts through a mask, right? We have to acknowledge this while we're talking about acting. It's kind he of acts through another mask. It's kind of his thing. At this he point, I feel, I feel like it's weird to see Tom Hardy's face. This is what I feel like is that's a very interesting point. Um, I I would I can't wait for the memes of Tom Hardy's character in the plane flying missions doing Bane impressions. I don't know if that's gonna be a meme. Oh, that'll happen. You watch, you watch. Someone will do that when it comes out on Blu-ray or a digital copy or whatever. He 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 was about as comprehensible as Bane. I understood them pretty well. I don't. Know. I think he needed subtitles. Well, okay. So back to the mole. Um, did you feel that like uh, uh, because it wasn't called land or beach that like that obviously we, there was going to have to be this mole character. But did you feel that it was going to be a French person, which it ended up being or did you think it was going to be an actual German? I guess I'll get into this now. So I saw it with my good friend Corey and uh, he misinterpreted that and uh, thought that the character was indeed a German uh, the entire time. So the idea is that you see the character I thought was Harry Styles, but apparently was Fionn Whitehead. Uh, see a, another Brit burying somebody and he helps him and, and then it turns out later that the guy who helps him who never says a word uh, who's burying the kid is actually doesn't speak English uh, and they figure that out later and that he's not really wearing he's just wearing the dead kid's uh, uniform and some some of the, the other Brits go like oh he's he's a crowd he's a German he's, maybe they say he's a Nazi uh, and the kid guy speaks what to me, it was clearly French, and they go, "Oh, he's a frog! Get him off here!" And then the main the main kid defends him, like he's just trying to survive like us. Let's keep him on the on the boat. It's it's okay. Uh, my friend thought it was that he was a Nazi, and that that the hero was being like, "It's okay. He's just he's he's good. Let, let him stay on here." I, I don't know if he thought frog meant German, uh, and thought that the French shouted like German. So I, he was like conflicted about that, and I was like, "No, no that's <laughs> that character was French." It's a little bit different to let a French guy stay on your boat than it would be to let a Nazi stay on your boat. Yeah, really, a little bit, maybe. Also, why would the Nazi be like trying to escape like that to go to Britain? <laughs> I was surprised he was French in the end. I thought we were going to get like some kind of German thing in the end, but I didn't know. I didn't think it was going to be him. I thought the twist was going to be that it was going to be like one of the English, clearly English speaking guys was actually a German, kind of like how Fassbender reverse engineered Fassbender, I guess, from Inglorious Bastards, really. I, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't think the mole had double meaning once they explained that the mole was the name of the beach because it's a specific type of beach, like an enclaved beach. I thought they should have just called that part the mole. It was, or it was called the beach because it was confusing that it was called the mole. Um, yeah, but I mean, but it did get my it got, it, exactly, but it still got my it got my wheels turning, and that's when I started thinking that one of the I was looking for a German at that point. I did not look for a French person, that's for sure. And then, yeah, it was like, I, I guess I counted about three or four days, roughly, um, at least three nights, I think I counted and, and the, in the mole uh, section of the film. I think it's one week to the very end where they're on the train in Britain. That's what I think, too. Yeah, I think. You're, uh, OK, so then that that plays that plays. Um, it was uh, harrowing uh, when the ships were sinking and 
I guess he was sinking real ships. I mean, practical to a fault. Uh, maybe models. I don't know, but he huge models, man. I mean, like there was like at least two ships he sank in that movie. Well, I mean, what the Titanic that Cameron built was a model because it was four fifths scale, but it was still huge. Yeah. So maybe like, maybe it was like they built half of it and filled the rest in with digitally. Yeah. But but um, Cameron's known for doing things like that and having that kind of influence into his films, the digital aspect, while. Nolan is more known, even though, yeah, he has done digital stuff. Yeah, the helicopters from The Dark Knight are, like, the only thing where I've been like, eh, that's too digital. That, yeah, that's pretty bad. And obviously, Interstellar is incredibly digital, and so is Inception. But um, Interstellar uh, works for me. Yeah, it does. Exactly. It works. But um, um, uh, Nolan stays away from digital if he can. And I can see him sinking old ships, painting them up, making them look real nice, and then just sinking some old ships. Yeah. Or even putting them maybe even on like actual like crane systems, just like, you know, out, out, like not too far off the shore. And then, well, one of them was actually like right on the docks and then the other one, not too far off the shore. And then maybe digitally remove land out of the shot. That's my guess. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think he did as much practical as he could. And maybe there's going to turn out to be like some digital stuff that we didn't even realize. It was just like, he hit it well. Tom Hardy was CG the entire movie. Yeah, exactly. I really love the visual effects um, uh, reels that uh, films release. And uh, and I really like that kind of behind-the-scenes content on Blu-rays and DVDs. So I will be looking forward to that Blu-ray for sure. For that, for that reason alone, just to figure out how they sync all that shit. And on top of that, I'm going to be doing that for uh, what we'll be discussing later, um, Air, obviously. I, I, I cannot wait to see how they shot all of the entire aerial sequences. But let's move on. Oh, what from, if it all turns out to be entirely CG? How disappointed you'll be. I'll be so disappointed if it turns out to be entirely CGI, other than the fact that that was incredible CGI. <laughs> that was that it's was flawless. Mostly. A lot of it's just just aerial shots of water. How hard is it that was, to do? It was flawless CGI. It had the right shine. It had the right feel. It looked real. And then uh, one last thing we cannot move on without discussing with, uh, while mentioning the mole one week. The entire siege and barrage on dunkirk uh when the soldiers are just waiting to board ships was so fucking crazy it was so intense like all of these fucking just the dive bombing and the stuka horns and fucking just like this noise like this in just you couldn't like escape it and yeah. you felt like you they were coming on to you like no it was, it was incredibly stressful Oh my! And then you would just like watch these people, like these 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 actors and these extras, just like start scampering and doing like almost like real things. Like, what do you do? You just you start running and you watch one guy like kind of do like three steps and then just decide to go the other direction and then just bolt the other direction. And you see people who just like lay down. It's just like fuck it, just lie down. No, like, it's it's a very good indicator. I mean, it's uh, a different story than Saving Private Ryan, but it's again the caliber of like. Look what our fucking grandparents endured. Think about that, millennials. Yeah. Think about that next time you're complaining about how horrible t Twitter trolls are. Think about that next time you're saying, I have PTSD from Facebook messages. <laughs> yep. Oh, dude, did you notice also, speaking of like the, the dive bombing sequences, remember the uh, teaser that was released? There was that really bad extra looking directly at the camera. No, I did not notice that at all. Okay, so in the teaser, there's this extra that's looking clearly at the camera, and it's horrible. It looks horrible. Anyways, it's the first teaser that was released when it's just that long pan. Um, they probably CG'd they, that out. Already. They digitally removed him because I, I, I saw the shot, and I went, oh, dude, they took him out of the shot. They actually removed this extra because he looked right at the lens. 
Anyways. All right. So um, unless you have anything else to say about the mole one week, uh, we can move on to the next one. Are you ready? Anything else, Felk? No, let's move on to C. All right. So number two, C, one, one day. day. So, Felk, what would you think about this one? I think like, this is the weakest the weakest plot line by far. It, it, it was saddest, but uh, Killian Murphy, he's a little bitch. He's a little bitch in the story. Yeah, he's a little bitch. Okay, so th- he's up him. This was the other storyline that I thought maybe Harry Styles was in. I thought Harry Styles may have been the guy <laughs> that died. I thought he may have been that kid. I knew he wasn't the other kid, the big, tall, thin, blonde, because he didn't Those, look. The that. casting there was so weird. Like they were like British youth guy. It's like yeah, and Mark Rylance. <laughs> yeah, and Mark Rylance, who I, I, I'm starting to, to not like. Why, why does Spielberg fucking love him so much? I don't. Well, uh, let's keep in mind this was Christopher Nolan, but um. Yeah, Spielberg used him in BFG and also in uh, Bridge of Spies. I I don't I don't I'm not on the Mark Rylance train either, Felk. I don't know. I'm aware that Christopher Nolan directed this, but Mark Rylance has been in what three Spielberg movies? I know, now? but the Spielberg has nothing to do. We don't have to get into that. But yes, regardless, he, I, anyways, I don't think I don't think Nolan would have cast him if he was he hadn't been in Bridge of Spies first. So, mm, and, and I don't no, feel like he gave no, that. Nolan would say he would have casted him far back from, and then he'd name something from the seventies. Yeah, probably. Uh, I didn't think he he's do you, that okay. Good. Do you know why Nolan casted Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar? What movie do you think? What what do you think it was about Matthew McConaughey that made him cast him in Interstellar? I, I would guess I would guess True Detective. Yeah, you were wrong. Even though you're probably right, and Christopher Nolan doesn't want to admit he it. Said days he actually says it's mud. Okay. He says Matthew McConaughey in mud is the reason he thought he'd be great in Interstellar. Well, well go I, watch I saw those mud. Lincoln commercials, and I was so impressed by them. Go watch mud. And then tell me that he is not impressed more by the true detective, Matthew McConaughey. Anyways, moving on to C. He, he was a farmer scientist. He was a farmer. He was. Uh, so, yeah, um, this is, yeah, the weakest plot line. C one day. Um, it's just it's just essentially these guys get on a boat yeah. because they, the Royal Navy says don't. But at the same time, they're like, if you don't. No, no one's picking up these boys on this beach, so you got to do it. So they get on a boat in England, and they go across the channel uh, to, fr- to France. And in the process, they have hijinks. They come across Killian Murphy. People, hi. Wait, okay, the channel. The English channel? This is the channel we're talking about, right? The channel. So people have swum that, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, now. Okay, so it, it's not. Yeah, one day I guess of boating. It's not like you, anyone, like one person swam it, five people swam it. Anybody can do it. It's no. like it is a feat to swim this channel. Yeah, okay? it's, it's really hard. It's really hard because there it's is a sea. It's practically a sea. I guess this is off topic. There is that one one bit where the guy where the guy just jump like goes into the water like he's just gonna like fuck it. I'll try and swim it, and I assume he drowned. Oh, I hope he made it. Well, you know, it is it, okay. So, um, a little bit, a little, just a little bit of history uh, about my family. Um, uh, my granddad uh, fought Swim in the war. He was in. Channel. He was in B. No, he wasn't. He was. He didn't do that. He he was in B seventeen, uh, flying fortress, and uh, they took a lot of flack and they took a lot of hits um, uh, on one particular mission, and they almost didn't make it back uh, to England. Um, and the biggest fear for them at the time when they were, uh, potentially thinking of ditching, uh, was that they wouldn't survive. Uh, the water is far too cold. Hmm. So if but this I, was I mean, in you, the summer, so that probably wouldn't have been the case. You can, I, it could be too cold still, but, uh, yeah, that's true too. I don't actually know the, uh, when, when, when that mission took place. Yeah, yeah, so, no, I, but but Dunkirk I, I know was in July, I believe. 
Dunkirk. I the Wikipedia page for it. Um, well, so yeah, thing. so these guys go across the old channel and they go find Killian Murphy and Killian Murphy's like, no, 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 you're not going to Dunkirk. You're going back to England. And they're like, no, we're going to Dunkirk. And he's like, no. And then they fight and he pushes a boy down the stairs and the boy cracks his skull open and then slowly dies. Yeah, that's like 30 minutes of screen time. And then... They come across more um, sailors who are down, British sailors that are down, and uh, they end up uh, or in a ship that gets attacked, and they save them. And then, oh, there's the oil spill that catches on fire, and they lose a bunch of them, but that was pretty cool. That was. And that one intersects with the Tom Hardy story where the other one That's when it all starts to intersect, yeah, because that's when Tom Hardy and the other pilot are flying over, and then the one pilot gets shot down and so forth, and that's when they find out that they have the right guy. Now, here's the question, though. That kind of ties the end of the mole and the end of C together because I didn't get this. So at the very end of the mole and C and air, technically, you have um, oil in the water, a bunch of your characters potentially in the water and a bunch of your characters in the boat already help trying to help people get in the boat. And this is the old dude boat with the kid who's dying and Killian Murphy causing havoc. And um, as they get in this boat, you don't know if 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 what's his name, Fionn Whitehead, is in there because he's the main guy you want. Yeah. And um, like Tommy, I guess. Yeah. Right. And you then, don't know really any know, of the characters' names though. And and then you and you know Harry Styles is in the water, and you know the French dude's in the water, and that's a, and you don't know any and they're and they all of a sudden they have to bolt because if they if, the, if old Mark Rylance's boat chills in this oil anymore with this you know pilot or that what was the bomber going down. Yeah. So with the bomber, so this we'll get into this a little bit later with air, but the bomber is crashing. The German bomber is crashing. And so um, they end up uh, 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 just grabbing some dude and just dragging him out of the oil and gunning the boat out of there. And then the bomber crashes, fucking ignites all the oil and starts burning one of our characters. And then all of a sudden, the head pops out of the wave of the guy that's safe on the boat, and you realize it's oh, it's Fionn Whitehead, right? It's yeah. Tommy, right? Whatever, right? Okay. But then you cut back and you see another character burning alive. Who's burning alive? Is that the French guy or is that Harry Styles? Dude, I thought Harry Styles played fucking Tommy, so uh, I don't remember who his character actually really is. I, I haven't seen this. It was four weeks ago since I saw this movie. I think. You do remember there's three Brits, or quote unquote, at one point, right? It's actually yeah. one French and two Brits. Yeah, yeah. He's the other Brit that's not Fionn Whitehead. Yeah, I get, yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, I guess that's him then. So, he, so do he deserves the death, I guess, in the end because he doesn't trust the French guy? Who is Tommy Whitehead uh, talking to at the very end of the movie on the train? nobody right no he's, he's got another british kid right across from him who he's talking to like, yeah but it's not like somebody like the old man didn't even look at us i thought isn't that isn't that uh harry styles i don't know the movie's just too much of a whirlwind with this all is, that yeah this with is all that shepherd tone to yeah Basically, all that shepherd tone experience it just comes at you and then does you discussing it three weeks later Maybe there's a this reason why, why most, most spoiler casts do them immediately after they saw the movie. <laughs> they also, most spoiler casts have the uh, benefit of seeing them twice, usually once with a press screening and then once when it comes out in uh, theaters. And then so they've kind of already seen it, had time to marinate, and then they're able to like reaffirm their, uh, their, their, their theories before they dive into a spoiler cast. We, however, 
both saw it. I saw it a week ago, and Felk, you saw it uh, four weeks ago or whatever. Three, three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, Warner Brothers, please contact us at thecoolboyspodcast at gmail.com to, if you want to give us invitations to press screenings. Yeah, and we'll give you always good reviews. We, we promise we will never not like your movies. Justice five League, out of five boys. Five out of five boys. Every time. Every Aquaman, day. Aquaman, five out of five Aqua Boys. Oh, every time. All the Aqua Boys in the world. Eleven. Why not? Any other all movies right. you might be making that aren't Christopher Nolan films or DC films? Probably not any, but if you have any, we'll give yeah. you good reviews. <laughs> Shazam, five out of five boys. Uh, even I don't know if I can muster that one. Oh, without The Rock? You're going to love it. Yeah. Love it, Warren <laughs> Brothers. We love it. Give it to us. Give it to me. Give it to me. Come on my face. All right, so that was let's move on to the next topic as we will finally explain that German bomber crashing. Oh, what was that about? I'm sure you know. You, you saw the movie. So number three, air. One hour. I didn't keep them to this uh, to the the timing of one hour because I was not going to pull my phone out in IMAX and time them for one hour. But I do want to do that when the Blu-ray comes out. I want to know how much screen time you see because I don't think it's an hour. No, it can't be. It can't be. But I do want to know how much we actually do see because everything that was aerial was IMAX. Yeah, pr- probably about 20, 25 minutes. Mm-mm. I'm guessing we spent the least amount of time in there. There's maybe 35, 37, 38 minutes of of aerial IMAX. And, uh, of course, I am pulling this number straight out of my ass. There's no way I can know. Assuming 140 for running time, eight minutes of credits, that means about 92 minutes of of actual on-screen time. The mole takes up by far the most, followed by the sea, then followed by the air. air No, sea takes up the least. Yeah, you're probably right. C takes the most up because air is the one they had to save the most money on. They yeah. couldn't shoot that much of it anyways. And C, a lot of, like, is the most boring one, too. So um, it's tough to gauge. But air is, like, everything when you're in the air is just, you're, you're, you're taken in by the visuals. And like I said, I couldn't really fucking understand but every other word Tom Hardy was saying behind that mask because he always fucking has to wear a mask that muffles everything he says. Um. What what it, so it was a little confusing as to what was happening because I'm sure that was important dialogue that I didn't, I didn't understand through British accents and masks. I and had no Tom problem. Hardy. I did. Ha- I had no problem understanding Tom Hardy through you, the mask or through Hardy. the British accent. Oh, Batman. <laughs> yep, Mister Wayne. I can't do a good. Bit, well, okay, so yeah. Um, uh, th- this was a dream. I was I was watching a dream. I I have always wanted. To see stuff like this on film with big budget, uh, World War II aerial combat. Um, and when I got a little bit of it in Pearl Harbor, I was really happy. When I got a, a little bit of it, you know, in, um, in my thoughts of, uh, of this Michael Mann movie that he was supposed to make with Tom Cruise many years ago, I was really happy. And it never happened. It really hurt me that it never happened. The little bits in Red Tails where it's not based on the movie is great. Um, I can't wait for you, uh, other Lucas. films. Yeah, George. Yeah, I can't wait for other films uh, or uh, the miniseries of the Mighty Eighth to come out, um, which will be about uh, flying fortresses over Germany. Who's that? Is that HBO? That's HBO. That's the that's kind of like the third part of Band of Brothers: The Pacific. And then, um, so aerial combat. I just I I am just like awestruck by aerial combat, and um, it, it was it was it was just everything I've ever really wanted to see, and it was fucking IMAX. And it and it looks so good. I I I don't know what they were filming with. 
um, up there, like what kind of aircraft they had, but they had, they, it was so well like blocked and uh, choreographed and the, the cinematography was just, I mean, man, this might be some of the best cinematography I've ever seen considering like you got to think about how chaotic it must be to actually try to shoot that stuff. And then, and I really hope it's not CGI because if it is CGI, it takes, I take back everything. Yeah. <laughs> I take back the whole fucking thing. It was still a great experience. I was still enjoyed it. I still had a great time, but, uh, I take it back that it was, uh, anything more than just amazing CGI. It, oh God. I hope it was not just CGI. I don't think it was just CGI. I think you'll be disappointed that like, Oh, the ships were CGI then or something like that. Right. And, and then, um, I guess uh, the other thing, uh, too, uh, just based on kind of air and sea and the mole and all of it, was that they all had really compelling characters and plot lines. I, I Even for being so, like, sh- like, just paper thin, they were good. They were easy and they were simple. It was kind of, I guess, called back to, like, even, like, Fury Road. Like, it's just simple. Like, just give me a simple plot line and throw me some sweet visuals. And that's a great thing to do in the summer. It seems to be knocking out of the park, for me at least. Um, and I think, I think what must be happening is people are getting so intense with all these like massive storylines through like Star Wars and MCU and the DCEU and Star Wars and the Fantastic Beasts and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Star Treks and Star Warses and all these things. And you're just like, you know, okay, okay. Now it's essentially cinematic television I'm watching and I'm paying for. Don't forget about the dark universe. Or the dark universe, right? Of course. And then you have, all of a sudden you get like, you know... Fury Road, and you're just like, it's oh, a movie. that's nice. It's one movie. It's just a movie. It's a nice movie. It's easy movie, beautifully shot. And then you get like it, this. It, but it's the fourth movie in a series. Eh, don't worry about it. Just yeah, especially one. especially for that series. That's a series where it's like, don't even worry about it. like you don't have to have seen anything yep. to understand what you're about to watch. And then Dunkirk is very similar in that it's a, it's it's in a series. It's in a series of its own World War II movies now. I mean, it is in a series of classic World War II masterpiece films like Saving Private Ryan. Like Empire of the Tales. Sun, like Thin Red Line, Red like Patton, like Red Tails. Okay, sure, Felk. And um, and I that's Thank that's you, great George because Lucas. I think I think uh, Christopher Nolan pulled off what he practically wanted. You saw a just a, a siege of Dunkirk, and you had a very basic story to get you through it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And oh, by the way, I asked my brother if uh, Tom Hardy was a real person. Uh, if that was actually like a real pilot. Uh no, he wasn't real, and but if he was real, he dead. What's that he, mean? He Look. uh the, the the prisoners of war. Yeah. Now uh, th- those Germans did not probably take too kindly to him. Really? What about uh, Hogan's Heroes? I thought, uh, what about Great Escape? No, think about what Hardy's character did in Dunkirk. He took out so many Nazis, then those Nazis aren't gonna let him like hang out. Plus, he's Tom Hardy. Just, just can't have him around. By the way, Tom Hardy was in Band of Brothers. I didn't know that. Uh, he's in episodes nine and ten, I think. Does he wear a mask? What? Does no. He wear... No. 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 And then uh, Fastbender's also in uh, Band of Brothers, and so is James McAvoy. Uh, a lot of lot of people are in Band of Brothers. Huh. I just know uh, the guy from Office Space is in it. That always made me like, that's not good casting. Yeah, he does an okay job. He does an okay job though. You might be pleasantly surprised. I, I, I am going to watch it because I have a bunch of things. I'm just going to stream nothing but HBO now for, for a while. And then uh, I'll cancel it because Game of Thrones does not come back for another year and a half. Oh, I know. Game of Thrones is great. 
Cool Boy Nation, tune in to episode 30 for our Cool Boy discussion of Game of Thrones. Uh, I, I, have, I have a question for you. Okay, go did ahead. It, did it bother you that there weren't any people of color in the movie? Nope. Because that was an actual but, controversy? Is that really? Because oh, I didn't yeah, bother yeah, me yeah. because because that they weren't, like, I don't think they were involved in that section of the world at that time. New York time. Times, Variety, Salon, and one other major outlet all had to throw that into their uh, reviews. That there was no strong female characters and that there there were no people of color. So wow, who needs? I who just needs I I thought it was just a bunch of French people, German people, and British people, and I and they were for the most part they would be people that were you know what uh, whether entrenched into France or people who would be from Germany, the Third Reich, yeah. or uh, British Army. I don't think that was where you had a lot of uh, you know Indians and. You know, Africans, and I don't, I couldn't imagine them being involved. The or Middle Eastern. Not, yeah, to, it would be telling a different story or changing history to, to, to rectify that. And I found the movie refreshing in that it was just a slice of history accurately depicted with no agenda behind it. It was just telling a story of, uh, I mean, I guess heroism, but like even that's kind of debated at the end when, you know, they're like, all we did was survive. Sometimes. Right. Sometimes. That's enough to be here. And I like that message. That was the that was basically the message at the end. That this wasn't a story about them defeating the Nazis. They except for Tom Hardy, no one even really kills a Nazi. Uh, but uh it was a story about people surviving so they could fight another day. And sometimes that's part of part of heroism. So I liked that that was really the only message it was. It wasn't a message of like, hey man, we're all just people, you know? It's like, no, it didn't it didn't have any extra social commentary it was it was just a story about a war that happened or an event in a war that happened sure absolutely totally yeah i did not realize that that was a controversy and that's a that's a controversy that's just that's i feel like even even saving private ryan has to humanize one nazi at one point you know, no so. they don't humanize them they do that to fuck with you later so yeah I, that that's one interpretation but um no that's to- the only interpretation is that because he because he, he's the one who kills uh Yes, because uh, Goldberg or uh, Adam Goldberg. No, he no, he's the one who kills um, Hanks. Yeah, Miller, oh. Captain Miller. Yeah, so I, I actually didn't know that, but yeah, I mean, it's it it still like it just shows that like there's there's two sides of every war. Of course, always. And this side, and this, Dunkirk doesn't do that. There's no Nazi characters. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but if you want to hear more about even the two sides of the of every war, even World War Two, which you can say there's essentially like really four sides of that war. Five um. You or maybe even five. You want to count China? Uh, definitely go and listen to uh, our Saving Private Cool Boys, where we go through a top five and we go over a big chunk of uh, of World War II and all the different uh, sides of World War II. Um, one other side, though, about World War II, we didn't actually have a chance to go over in that episode. I'd like to go over in this episode is something that didn't happen in World War II, but was going to happen in World War II, and this was called Operation Downfall. This. So to just kind of set the scene a little bit, where we are with the uh, the preparation and the kind of you know planning of this operation. This is a real operation um, that 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 was going to happen, that was being planned on, um, and uh, what was kind of going on at the time was we were at the end of the Pacific Theater, and the Europe Theater, uh, the European Theater had already ended, and we'd already had VE Day, and so we got to a point with the Pacific what, Theater. Real fast, where we, what is VE Day? That's a victory in, in, in Europe. That was May 8th, 1945. 
And that's the day uh, European theater was won by the Allies and uh, Nazis had surrendered uh, Germany to uh, the Russians in the uh, United States and the Brits. So anyway, so Europe's done and essentially soldiers over there are American soldiers over there are either coming over to the Pacific or preparing to come over to the Pacific. And so Truman has the, you know, weighed this on his head and he ends up thinking, you know, one of the best ways to maybe try to end this war along with, you know, killing, you know, so many lives, countless amount of lives, right? It was dropping the atomic bomb on uh, Japan. He eventually, you know, does it with, you know, goes over this with top officials mm-hmm. and not many people knew this was very guarded secret. Um, Actually, I take that back. Uh, it was such a guarded secret, actually, when it first started as a Manhattan Project. Harry S. Truman didn't even know about this existence of it. This was back when uh, Franklin uh, D. Roosevelt was um, uh, actually uh, coming up with this. Even Harry Truman did not know about the Manhattan Project to make the atomic bombs. Once he became president, he was made made able to know because he was on a need-to-know basis at that point. Mm-hmm. Anyways, fast forward, August 6, 1945, 8.15 a.m., we drop a bomb on Hiroshima. Okay, that we dropped uh, the Enola Gay, you know, taken off from the U.S. Indianapolis, mm-hmm. a movie that stars Nick Cage. Um, uh, dropped uh, the Enola Gay dropped Little Boy, which is what they call the atomic bomb, on Hiroshima. And then on August 9th, um, three days later, uh, at eleven o'clock in the morning, we bombed uh, Nagasaki. Uh, but Nagasaki actually wasn't uh, our first uh, 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 target that day. In fact, uh, Nagasaki was on the bottom of the list. I think there's like a list of five or four different uh, Japanese cities. And originally there was like another uh, name on the list. I forget what it was. Anyways, there was another name on the list and they eventually switched it over and they were like, yeah, maybe Nagasaki put that there instead. So anyways, so in the morning of August 9th, it's the weather was so fucked up in Kakura, which is where they wanted to hit. It was a better, it was a bigger military um, uh, uh, target. Um, they wanted to drop fat man is what they want. They called that bomb. Um, on uh, Kokura, they eventually had to change it, and they went for Nagasaki, mm-hmm. uh, which was the the last city on their list, which was pretty everything else they couldn't do. Uh, so, anyways, August fifteenth, nineteen forty five. So, you know, six days later, Japan announces their surrender. Um, but then on September second, uh, they actually do sign the surrender, and that's called VJ Day. So that's Victory Japan Day. Okay, now backing up before the surrender, if they had not surrendered or announced their surrender on August 15th, or even signed a surrender September 2nd, but if they not surrendered, we would have continued this war. And there was an operation being planned called Operation Downfall mm-hmm. that was going to be essentially a Japanese D-Day. And Harry S. Truman is quoted on August 11th, 1945. So this is after he's dropped both bombs on Japan. He is quoted as saying, when you have to deal with a beast... You have to treat him as a beast. It is most regrettable, but nevertheless true. So that was August 11th, 1945. Harry S. Truman said that. So they were they were planning, you know, to dive into this head on in and, and go into this crazy war with Japan if they were not willing to surrender. And hopefully they 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 were going to. And thank God they did. So this is what was going to happen as Operation Downfall. On November of 1945. Operation Downfall would have begun, and it was going to take place as two different operations, okay? Subtitled operations that were going to be Operation Olympic and Operation Coronet. 
and Operation Downfall was actually being planned. So this is people realize this. It was actually being planned by com- like American commanders, Fleet Admiral Chester Nimitz and General of the Army Douglas MacArthur oh. and their Joint Chiefs of Staffs were actually planning this. And so Operation Olympic, though, the first part of the of the plan was intended to capture the southern third of the most of the um, of uh, of the uh, of Japan, Japan, of the main island of Japan. This is called Kyushu. And with when they captured this island of um, or actually when they captured the island of Okinawa, they actually prepared a staging area to take the island of Kyushu. And what they were going to do is on November 1st, 1945, this was going to be called X Day. Like not like a lot like D-Day, right? X Day. And this was going to be a combined allied naval armada. All right. That would have been the largest ever assembled. Okay. Tremendous. Right. Including it had, it would have fucking 42 aircraft carriers, 24 battleships, 400 destroyers and their destroyer escorts. Okay. Fucking they would, they would have on them 13 divisions and two regimental combat teams on there. That's how many much manpower we were putting into this. Okay. The tactical air support. That was going to be responsible for X Day was going to be the 7th, the 5th, and the 13th Air Forces. So these were going to be like fucking Mustangs, dude. Like these were the, these are going to be our top fucking gun Mustang pilots. Just only thing they were focusing on was taking out zeros and shit like that, right? Then we were going to have a strategic bombing attack, right? And that was going to be the 8th and the 20th Air Forces. So this was going to be just... Every B-17 Flying Fortress, every B-24 Liberator, every B-29 Super Fortress, okay, that they fucking had was just going to be in this. As well as they um, they had uh, uh, the British Tiger Force actually was going to come with them as well. And, and, and this was all going to be based around the idea of getting, you know, this Operation Olympic to come through. And if they did Operation Olympic right and they captured this third uh, southernmost uh, main Japanese island, Kyushu. They would have then prov- provided themselves a land-based air support for Operation Coronet, which would be their next operation for Operation Downfall, Operation Coronet. So this was super strategic to get this. So that's why they were X-Day was going to be so fucking intense. All right? So just to be clear, X-Day was going to have 800 and f- like 800,000 personnel, 135,000 vehicles, okay? Like that's crazy. Like think about that. Like that all of this shit just marching on this fucking like on this island. These inf- eleven infantry divisions, three marine divisions, and forty different air groups. That's what was going to happen for uh, Operation Olympic to take over this island. So then, anyways, if that had ha- oh yeah, Felk, and for this uh, Operation um, Olympic, you'd appreciate this. The thirty-five landing beaches were all named after automobiles of the time. So you had like Austin, Buick, Cadillac, Stutz, Winton, Zephyr, like all of these were the name of beaches, right? It's weird to think that there was a time when there was 36 American auto manufacturers. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. So anyway, so this was going to be after they were able to restage. They were going to attack on March 1st, 1946. Now this was going to be called Y-Day. And this was planned invasion of the Kanto plane. And this is essentially, this is Tokyo. This is the plane that's outside Tokyo at the time. It is now Tokyo if you go there today, right? But this is like, this is the outskirts of Tokyo. Anyways, 
we set up these air bases on Kyushu because of Operation Olympic. And this goal for these air bases, the, their, their purpose was to attack Tokyo Bay. So we attacked Tokyo Bay after Pearl Harbor to show them we can strike back. But this time it was to eliminate them. Okay. Coronet would have been even larger than Olympic. The amount of force we would have shown on Coronet, Operation Coronet, fucking would have dwarfed Olympic. In fact, with up to the 40 different divisions that were going to be involved in Operation Coronet, Operation Overlord, by the way, just so this is cleared for D-Day, Operation Overlord, which is what we call D-Day, was 12 divisions for the initial landings, okay? So that first attack that morning was 12 divisions, right? This was going to be 40. This was going to be like four times D-Day. Like that's, this is unprecedented, like what we were about to throw. And they, and they knew like this was going to cost fucking lives, right? And so they were going to have these 40 divisions march all of them, all from different angles of Japan, right? North, south, east, west. They were going to converge onto Tokyo and just hold them at bay. Now, actually, the Japanese had this well planned out, honestly. This was not as this was not as uh, as easy as it sounds um, or even as destructive as it sounds. It was going to be even more destructive, but it was also going to be very well planned out by the Japanese because based on the way Japan has set up its geography, the Japanese knew the exact landing positions, the exact landing points. They knew exactly where the Americans were going to come. They knew how we were going to land and what we were going to do and what valleys we would have to run through and all our shit because the topography of the land just dictated your, what you had to do in the end. So the Jap the Japanese actually created a plan to fight Operation um, uh, Downfall, and it was called Operation We're Fucked. Operation Ketsugo. Where's the dong in the story? So Operation Ketsugo was an all-out defense of Kyushu. And Kyushu was the attack we did with Operation Olympic, the first half of Operation Downfall. So the Japanese plan was mainly, let's just stop Operation Olympic. And if we can do that, we'll win. And if we can't, we'll lose. By shooting and they, down the planes. They, everything. They were going to have just like citizens of Japan, right? Just do like fight. They were going to force it upon everyone. They were going to do an all out. Like it was everyone. It was the entire Japanese population was going to fight in this battle of this first battle operation Olympic for operation downfall. Fucking crazy nation. Yeah. Well, it never happened. And, and one of the fucked up things too was what Japan wasn't aware about. We knew Japan knew that we would know what we were doing. So we were aware that they would have an operation like operation Katsugo. So this was a chess match, right? So, um, along with, you know, uh, Admiral, uh, fleet Admiral Chester Nimitz and general of the army, Douglas MacArthur. Um, also there was uh, major general John E. Hole. Um, they were all told and talked about because they were all made aware of the Manhattan project. They were part of this upper elite American part of the government of the executive branch that was aware of what was going on in the military that was aware of what was going on, um, with the Manhattan project that they, um, actually made plans to use tactical use of the atomic bombs as essentially as nuclear weapons. Uh, this was for the, the invasion of the Japanese home islands and they were going to use, uh, they were planning at least, uh, it's reported that they were going to use at least seven fat man type plutonium implosion bombs and they would be, uh, used on X day. So that would be November 1st, 1945, mm -hmm. seven 
seven, seven on one day. And they were going to, this is fucked up too, dude. So, um, they, they, they were, they were going to drop them on Japanese forces, which meant they were going to take them out on cities as well. Right. And they were going to just take out just the jam pop, the Japanese population, but they didn't understand radiation at this point, at this point with the atomic weapons. So their thought process was give the, um, uh, after we bomb, give it 48 hours and then we'll send in our American forces. So this is the, the personnel, right. For, uh, Olympic 815,548. That was the p- personnel that was going to be involved in Operation Olympic. That means 815,548 Americans on top of the Japanese lives lost would eventually lose their lives due to radiation poisoning because they would all have been affected by these seven nuclear weapons for that day. Well, um, and this is, this is really crazy. This was a, if this, if, if Operation Downfall had taken place, it would have been the largest amphibious operation in history. Uh, and I, and this is so sad, but uh, the estimated casualties for Operation Downfall would have been 1 million Americans and 10 million Japanese people. Hey. That would have, that would, that, that's ten, how many ten people to one would have died. Bad. 10 to 1 ain't bad, but a lot of lives would have been lost to end that war. And that was this crazy thing. And, and it's really great to know that in the end, the J- J- Japanese emperor had humility to some extent to be able to go, we fucked, we need to back up and back off and not cause any more shit because we, this is, this is just destructive what's going on. And we, we didn't get there. I thank God we didn't get to operation downfall eh. because the world would not be the same if operation downfall had taken place. Maybe it'd be better. It would also be full of more radiation and one area of the entire world would be probably locked off. I'm not going there anytime soon. I would have loved to have gone there. You still can. It's still there. <laughs> this didn't happen. You can go, you can, it didn't happen. Okay. You can go to Japan right now. <gasps> cool story. <laughs> Researching that. Well, see, I knew about that always, but I researched a little bit of that for this episode because uh, I wanted to make sure I got some of these facts right, at least the numbers, because it's so fascinating to me. Um, you know what's fucked up is you're telling this, from my perspective, on a Sony monitor. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how many fucking Sony products I have because I'm looking at all the Sony products in, in, in my apartment and, and there's other Japanese brands. I drive a Japanese car um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about like the, the Mad Men episode where they, they book uh, is in like 65 where they do dealings with Honda and Roger Sterling who've like fought, I guess, in the Pacific Theater. It's like all pissed off about it and they're because he doesn't want like Japanese were bad 20 years ago. We were fighting them. I was alive then. I was there. And and, and uh, everyone's like, move past it. It's over. And he's kind of shown as like the ignorant one. But like, I think it, I, I even remember like, uh, God, it would have been like the mid to late 80s when my dad got a, a Mazda uh, RX-7. I think he got in like an argument with maybe my grandfather. I don't think he, he was in, he wasn't even in the specific theater, but uh, he was mad. Like they Mazda made the, the machines that killed my friends. Uh, and it's just like really fucked up, like how much. I mean, what's the line in uh, Back to the Future Three? All the best stuffs made in Japan. You know, Doc Brown mm. from from nineteen fifty five is like this shit's made in Japan. And thirty years later, Marty's you know thirty year, year later, Marty is like all the best stuffs made in Japan. Like now they fucking make all our shit. 
Everybody's walking around with uh, driving around in Toyotas, Corollas and Priuses made in fucking uh, Nagasaki or wherever. Like her, uh, Mazda is, is located in, in Hiroshima, founded in Hiroshima in 1920, still there. Um, so it's just like weird to think that like we could have just made, said goodbye country that we now have a massive uh, economic and a technological relationship with. We're, Thank God, right? Yeah, because like, I've, I've never been to Tokyo, but everyone says it's basically like you're going to the future. Every, it's like Blade Runner. Everything's a touchscreen and every, everything's a hologram and they're they're so technologically advanced. And I want to you know, go. We, we, we get a lot of that secondhand here. So it's just, it's just weird to think that we could have completely obliterated that country. Because we could have. Yeah, We drive BMWs and Mercedes and shit, but for the most part, like... Cars are kind of the German thing. Nobody buys German televisions or German microwaves and, and you know, German uh, technology permeates their phones, even though iPhones are designed in California and made in China. Yeah, they still have fucking Japanese uh, touchscreens and stuff like that. Or maybe they have South Korean, but they have Japanese components. Uh, without Japan, I don't know where we'd be technologically right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, imagine a world without Walkmans. Huh? Remember Walkman? Oh, I can't. No, I can't. I'm so happy that it, like because we 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 do get to benefit so much from it with my Sony PS4. Yeah, my Sony my Sony yellow Walkman. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I would you know? say like yeah, where would I be without a PS4? But I I just I just buy an Xbox. Well, I mean, come designed on, that's in made. designed in Washington, assembled in China. Well, yeah, and there's that, that's the other one though. China China takes a lot of it too. Um, but anyways, I guess, yeah, so, but World War II-wise, it was great that, you know, we didn't do Operation Downfall and that we were able to, like, figure out things with Japan. It's a great thing that Hiroshima and Nagasaki built up again and they're not, you know, just craters, that they actually have life there and people are living there and everything, and that was great. And uh, there's a great documentary called White Godzilla? Light. No. There's a great documentary called White Light, Black Rain, and it might be the, the hard, one of the hardest things I've ever watched. Um so it's not something just to throw on a Friday night because you want to get, you know, some Netflix and chill. Uh, but uh, it's great. It's great. It'll make you really like think about like uh, uh, use of nuclear weapons and stuff like that. And it's just fascinating to find out like the way Japan handled themselves after the war. And and, and then you had people's like eyewitness accounts of, of the nuke or the uh, of the atomic bomb going off and, and stuff like that. And it's just like children, like little little girls at the time that are now grown up and old ladies and stuff that are just like. I was thrown across the room or I was thrown in the river and all I could see was bodies and then at the surface floating. And then beyond that, just a giant mushroom cloud and like visuals like that. And you're just like, wow, what the fuck? Like crazy. Um, and then these people were shunned. That's the hot, I forget what they were called, but in Japan, um, if you were a survivor of the atomic bombings, uh, you were shunned because it was, uh, you were a reminder of what happened and a reminder of failure but you're also a reminder of uh of just like terrible shit that happened what and you, you were gross wasn't, uh, enti- wasn't everyone in japan the survivor of of who didn't no survive? no like people who actually were like affected with like actually spurned skin oh, or radiation, radiation like poisoning or anything like that uh there's an actual name for those type of people and they were uh like essentially treated like uh lower class citizens they were told to go to the back of the bus um they they, they would have to get off of buses and things like that or subways if if it was full people What's would the- kick them off dick move yeah Japan. oh yeah watch watch this movie it's called white light black rain it's an hbo documentary um 
It's it is five out of five cool boys, hmm. and it's all about the effects of the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I, oh, it's great. I, I don't know how I feel about that. We, we you know the people injured in nine eleven and the people uh, injured in war. We call those people heroes in America. So uh, yeah, Japan, well, felt honestly the nine eleven one sad because we uh, we don't we we call them heroes in our we don't do enough. Has not we don't treat do them enough. like heroes. We don't do enough certainly, but we don't overtly you know, call them pariahs or what you just said we do to the, the people. Right. And that's, that's kind of like that. So yeah, I, I would say people should look into that. Cause that's, it is very interesting. Once but again, yeah, they, America does better than Japan. Well, there you go. And, um, but, uh, you know, um, Dunkirk wise, it was, uh, I liked how that was not seen as a failure. You know, it was seen as a, uh, as, as, as you said earlier, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a win, even if it's just surviving really, yeah. you know, so I got there, bitch. I got us back to Dunkirk. <laughs> Japan. Japan. Oh, damn it. Well, thank you for listening to our Dunkirk spoiler cast and history of Operation Downfall. New episodes of the Cool Boys podcast come out every Tuesday. You can follow us on Twitter at Cool Boys Podcast and find us on Facebook as the Cool Boys Podcast. Email us at the, with a the, the cool boys podcast at gmail.com and like and subscribe to us on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube by searching for the cool boys podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. We're the cool boys podcast and you can donate to us on Patreon and receive additional episodes of cool boys after dark and a cool boys shout out on our normal episodes that air every Tuesday. You can find the Cool Boys Patreon at patreon.com slash coolboyspodcast. And just remember, that's uh, all it is is $1, and that $1 goes towards our goal of 135 which is really just uh, for our SoundCloud account. So uh, please contribute whatever you can. We're getting really close to meeting that goal, so anything you can contribute would be great. And just to be clear, so you just put $1 in and the Patreon, and you get all our After Darks. Um, you can go listen to them there uh, through the Patreon app or uh, the Patreon website. And um, After Dark is it's it's uh, it's got some good shit in there, it's some fun, and it's uh, it's a lot more raw. And it's uh, us being really kind of just the in between takes, the stuff that we don't really plan on putting on the uh, episode, um, because it's just us being a little bit more real, too real. And uh, you can kind of go see it there or listen to it there. Yeah. And you actually don't even have to listen to it on Patreon. You can, once you're a Patreon subscriber, you can download those and put them on whatever your preferred device is, including a Zoom. Zoom, baby. Thank you for listening. Stay cool, cool boy nation. Until next time, it's Bizies from Felk. And that's Bizies from Ballard. Uh, so cool. I agree. You are standing American boy. You have excelled in all things. I pump while I dump. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Without even a damn cellar. Get out of here! Oh, yeah! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
This episode of the Cool Boys Podcast was brought to you by... The music, the whole way through. I mean, that was just the main thing. Yeah, yeah. You know about that, right? Like, the whole, like, where it's a parabellum, so it sounds like it's just uh, constantly yeah, rising. Yeah, and Phil, you might as well describe that and explain that to uh, Cool Boy Nation. I don't remember the word for it, and that's why I didn't want to admit it, and I don't want to Google the article because I was on Gizmodo, and I don't go to Gizmodo from home. Um, they're not getting my clicks. Get some Cool Boys! Boys. <laughs> 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 so serious.